on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. A good Thursday evening to you. Welcome into the program. 30 degrees outside. We're going to talk ourselves a little bit of baseball. A lockout going on. There's no baseball activity actually taking place. Not going to stop us from talking a little bit of baseball here on a Thursday night on WTMJ. If you want to join us anytime in the next hour, you can do so by calling or texting the AccuNet Mortgage Talk at text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y, on air. Here's what we've got coming up. So I'm I am making an effort, and I'll say that I'm making the effort for uh, this show and also for the Brewers Extrains podcast that we produce on a weekly basis. If you don't listen to that, it's another hour or so of Brewers Talk each week that you can get at WTMJ.com or wherever you happen to uh, listen to your favorite podcast. Just type in uh, Brewers Extrains. But I, I, I'm making a concerted effort to not only talk about the lockout because part of it is we're just saying the same stuff over and over and over that that that's one side of it there's very little new news that's coming out when it comes to the labor negotiation between players and owners and bluntly there's probably not going to be much new news for a while i was talking about it with scott warris uh, when we were doing our crosstalk at the end of his program uh, according to a report in the Athletic, there has actually been just a little bit, just a little bit of conversation taking place between uh, players and owners, and I guess that's uh, I guess that's good. But the the conversations that are taking place are not about any of the big dollar issues at this point. It's some of the smaller issues that are being discussed, and I don't think there's. A lot of time, yeah, it's kind of like state government or even federal government for that matter. Um, we always hear about the differences between the two sides and all the anger that's going on. But there's there's a lot of stuff, and maybe this isn't as true now as it was in, in previous years because everything is so just crazy, crazy politicized. But generally, generally speaking, in, in government... There's still things that are being accomplished that you can you can walk in and everybody can kind of be on the same page on it and you sort of rubber stamp that stuff through. There's going to be those type of items when it comes to this labor negotiation. And it sounds like these initial conversations that are going on. I say initial, I guess initial lockout conversations because there have been conversations, but now it feels different because there's actually a lockout going on. But there's, they're talking. They're talking. That, that, that can't be bad. That's what we want. We want them to talk. The more you talk, the more you maybe find some common ground. We can hope. It seems like they're coming from a place where talking can't do much worse because they're in a really they're in a really tough spot as it is, as far away as they are from each other. It doesn't feel like, you know, famous last words, knock on wood, whatever you want to do. It doesn't feel like they can get further apart. So any communication seems like a good thing. In fact, we'll talk about that with uh, Maury Brown. He is a uh, contributor to uh, Forbes and Forbes Sports. He's going to join us coming up in just a few minutes. And then later on, we have game time around 8.30. And later on in the hour, want to get into the areas on the roster where the Brewers can still 
improve themselves and improve themselves in kind of a dramatic kind of way in a very um, in a very noticeable winning more games kind of way. So we'll discuss that coming up later on in the program as well. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. It is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk text line. You can tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. Up next, we are set to be joined by uh, Maury Brown. He'll join us to uh, discuss all things labor negotiation. Yeah, that, that, that's where we're at right now. We'll do that next here on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly does continue here on a Thursday night. Not a lot going on in terms of the labor negotiation. There was a report that came out that there's been at least a little bit of communication between the two sides discussing some of the uh, non big ticket money items that's probably not something that's going to be discussed until we get into january so it feels like a stalemate to talk all things labor negotiation and much much more bringing on uh, one of my favorite folks to uh, talk to uh covers uh baseball and the uh, business of sports for forbes and forbes sports follow him on twitter at bizball maury it's b-i-z-b-a-l-l-m-a-u-r-y it is uh maury brown hey maury thanks for uh, taking a little bit of time with us tonight how are you i'm good matt how about yourself I am good. Uh, I'm. I, I always love talking to you. I wish we could be talking about the business of baseball when business is actually going on. That's not the case right now. So let's just start with this because uh, the lockout has been in place now. This is really the first time that we've heard that there's any communication, but it doesn't seem like anything of note is going to get done until January. Any surprise from you on the lack of communication between the two sides since the lockout actually got started? No, and that kind of flies in the face of what Rob Manfred did, right? I mean, at 11.59, the CBA expired, and at about 12.01, he pulled the lockout trigger and said that that was being done as a matter of trying to drive the sides together well. The sides haven't been driven together. I mean, there really hasn't been much of anything going on, and um, as is most of these things, right? Um, not until you really get down to a deadline um, does this sort of thing happen. And that's this has happened prior. I mean, people forget that in 2011 there was a lockout in the NFL, and it really came right down to the wire. They lost exactly one game. It was a Hall of Fame game. And um, then, you know, of course, all the movement that happened for them to get their deal in place largely happened in the last week and a half or so before – you know, games were going to be impacted, and that's really going to happen now. And there's no, for one thing, there's no pressure, I think, for the players. And they don't get paid now anyway. They don't get paid for spring training either. The owners, of course, it applies more pressure the closer you get to spring training because that's revenue for them. So um, I, it doesn't surprise me. I am happy to hear that they are working on some other things, though, and I think that that's important. Yeah, well- if they can get kind of the smaller things worked out, the stuff that they're probably pretty like-minded on, because we we spend so much time talking about the big issues, which they are completely, seemingly diametrically opposed on, but I'm sure there's a bunch of smaller issues that they basically are on the same page as. Does it make sense here in a period where there's not a lot of urgency to work on the big stuff to at least try to kind of, you know, just get your check marks next to all those other items and have that done so when you do get to that moment that you really need something done that you don't have to worry about these other items? Yeah, I really do. And for one thing, um, 
Um, I for for one thing, I don't. I'm not privy to what the list is, but I do know that there are some things that are on there that I really hope are going to be discussed. Man, Rob Manfred has the right to go ahead and unilaterally put pace of play changes in after giving one year's notice. He can do it. Now, he's always said that he wants to work with the players, so he hasn't really drawn that card. And I'm hopeful that he doesn't do it again because anybody that's a baseball fan that was out there watched, you know, games turned into pretty much into slogs for a while. Look, I'm all for using whatever mechanism you need to win games. But it becomes very difficult when your starter's only going three innings, and then we have a commercial break and we go to the bullpen, and every time we're going to the bullpen, it just slows the whole pace of the game down. And I'd like to see something done about that. It would be great to see um, batting averages go up. It would be great to see strikes go down. Um, so there's some of that stuff. Um, one but, of those – I mean, yeah, go ahead. Uh, not to interrupt you, but just one of those um... – one of those experimental rules that I think they were doing the maybe in the Atlantic League was you you have a DH but you only have the DH as long as the starter is in the game. I, I don't see that coming to Major League Baseball, but I think that speaks to your point that at least is a rule that would force teams to try to keep starting pitchers in longer in games. Yeah, it would be. I mean, we're going to see. I, I well. Nothing is certain. But I would be very surprised if we don't see the DH in both leagues. I really do. And I think that's part of the reason why we didn't see some signings potentially up to when the uh, uh, expiration of the CBA was. We had that flurry of signings. But there's still some guys hanging out there. And maybe because clubs are trying to figure out um, whether they're going to have the DH. Um, there's, there's certainly that and how those rules work. Um, another thing that's out there is this – wacky thing that with the Tampa Bay Rays where they're going to try and play a split season. That has to be collectively bargained. I mean, can you imagine you're a player? You basically have to have, you know, a residence in two countries and travel and what do you do with your kids? I mean, that stuff has to be collectively bargained. You see a lot of stuff in the news right now that it's like, yeah, we're making great progress on it. I'm like, if you don't have the players sign off on that thing, that thing's going nowhere. So that's another item that's out there. There's the other stuff, you know, whether they're going to get to 12 or 14 games or 12 or 14 teams for expanded postseason. But I, I would largely lump that in the big bucket thing. That's a lot of money for the owners. And I, as I just wrote about this last week about postseason shares, it'll be interesting to see how it affects the players and whether they look to try and grab some of the television money like they did in 2020. I don't think they're going to get that. I mean, it would, be, it would be a monumental gift for the owners to allow that to happen. But, I mean, it's just stuff they've got to talk through. It's just little tiny stuff that we, you know, and there's other things outside of that. I guess the list is about 30 long. But, mm. um, you know, let them, let them work on that stuff. They, they need to. The expanded postseason is odd because from one perspective, you know, playoff shares and things like that absolutely should go up. But then from the other side, when the barrier to entry goes down to get into the postseason, players are going to argue that owners are going to try less to win because if you're just trying to get into the postseason, you don't have to try quite as hard. It really is an odd thing where you can see advantages and disadvantages on each side. Yeah, I mean, we saw in 2020, we saw the Astros basically back in. I mean, that that's the concern, you know, that the teams won't try. And that's a bigger concern. I mean, that's a general big thing. And it should be for every fan. 
I mean, like you're in Milwaukee, and God bless the Brewers, they actually try. In a small market, it's it's really a, a roadmap for every other club out there. I mean, the Rays clearly have figured it out, but you have teams like the Pirates and you have teams like the Orioles and teams like the A's to a lesser extent that have hung around and just been kind of happy doing that thing, and that's not what you want. How are you going to incentivize competition? And that is that diametrically opposed thing. Or, or you know, how is it good if a team makes playoffs is that good for a, a player, you know, where he, you know, increases his platform on national television? Um, does that cascade over into a contract in the next year? Yeah, maybe. Clearly, the owners are going to get a leg up on it. I mean, they're going to get all that, not just the TV money, but it will increase, you know, season ticket sales in the following season. You'll see that every time. Team, even if a team gets bumped in the wild card, they will increase their season ticket t- sales the next year. So it is a concern. I don't know how you kind of meet that. I'm sure that the players have looked closely at it and are trying to figure out how they can do that, knowing that there are some advantages for them, but still trying to incentivize some of these clubs that just don't seem to be trying at all. I've asked this next question to so many people so many different times, and and honestly, I think it's the biggest single question throughout this entire labor negotiation. Everything we're hearing is that the players feel like they've lost recent labor negotiations and they're not going to lose this one and at the same time we're hearing that owners have never been more united and more shoulder to shoulder on what's going on so the question is at some point one of these sides is going to have to blink at least a little bit to really start the actual negotiation which side is going to blink well i think the owners will and for the reasons that i mentioned up front i mean you start to talk about losing spring training games and look, it's more than just games on television, right? Which, if you you know, if you want to go back for 2020 and 2021, they lost the owners lost money due to the pandemic and lost those games. A lot of people don't realize they have to rebate back the networks for the money that they lost. Right? They're just paying. They pay for the right to have those games. When the games don't air, the, the teams have to rebate that money back. Now they can do it over a long period of time, but it's still money. And now you have gambling interests, right? There's all that that goes along with it. Players have nothing to lose. They don't get paid for spring training. So I think it puts it largely in in the owner's court. And I would say this. I think the sides are not that far apart. I think that there's a way to make this happen. Are the players going to get all service level two guys to enter salary arbitration and then go and be free agents after five years? No. But they could. I think the number right now is about twenty percent of the service level two guys go into into um, salary arbitration. They're called super twos. They could increase the percentage of that and make that happen. I mean, there's ways to nibble around the edges of this thing and have the the players get something back. Um, the owners will not have to say that they took it in the shorts, but it will be a way for the sides to come together. I mean, if the owners get expanded postseason. They're getting more money. But look, the owners' national television money increases 22% next year. And that's another reason for them to do it. I mean, the money increases dramatically. And that's a card for the players to play. And then you go, look, guys, you're getting all this money. Now they can go, the, the owners can go, look, the rights bubble is really about ready to burst. Streaming money will not be nearly as much as we've seen with traditional television deals. Um, but that's more than five years down the road. 
So I think the labor deal will be five years. I think that there's absolutely a way to make this happen that isn't some herky-jerky radical thing like the owners offered, which was, you know, take the salary arbitration system completely out and use war as a way to measure players and all this other stuff. I think that there will be ways for them to meet in the middle on this thing. He is Maury Brown. You should uh, follow him on Twitter, at BizBallMaury, uh, senior contributor, Forbes, Forbes Sports. Maury, thank you so much for the time. Always love talking to you, and I hope we can do it again real soon. Yeah, have me on any time, Matt. Have a great evening. Awesome. Sounds good. There's uh, Maury Brown joining us here on uh, on Brewers Weekly. And I Look, I could talk to him for an hour about, about this stuff, and at some point you kind of get into the weeds, but some of this stuff isn't in the weeds. Yeah. He's right about the playoff money, and he's right about the national TV. He's right about everything he said. But yeah, the the big thing, and he mentioned the rebating back to networks when you don't get games. Well, that means if if national TV money's going up that much next year, then if you're missing games, then you're re you're refunding, you're re, you're rebating back that much more money back. So there's there's. There's more reasons to get a deal done than there are reasons to continue the lockout and actually have a true work stoppage where you miss things of, of actual significance. That doesn't mean they'll get the deal done for sure. It doesn't. But there's there's a lot of reasons to get that deal done, and I think both sides can probably agree with that. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll tweet into the program as well, or you can tweet into the program, at Matt Pauley on air. This is Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right. It's our, is it our favorite time? I don't know. Having, uh, having Maury on was good. That's... That was a fun interview. I always enjoy talking with him. But it's it's always fun when we get to uh, game time. Greg Hill, or as Scott calls him, Greg. I, I don't. I don't call you Pancake. It's just it's that's a Scott thing. I can't call you that. It's fine. Uh, but uh, all right, Greg. I, I don't even completely understand the game we're playing tonight. Luckily, you will explain it as we get into uh, this week's edition of Game Time. What time is it? Game time. Well, Matt, well, inside baseball, <laughs> last time we had Brewers Weekly, the first line of my script was, this segment unfortunately comes with some not-so-happy news. Given the theme of the show, I will reiterate, this segment unfortunately comes with some not-so-happy news. Once again, mm. this segment comes with some not-so-happy news, but we're going to make some good news. The setup is, at this point, as bleak and as sad as it seems... That each side is only asking for a hippopotamus for Christmas. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like each side's going to budge. For whatever I reasons. Think the game warden might have a problem with that. <laughs> we, that, we listen, that we list for. So what we're going to do is we're going to basically create a Christmas list. And what I'm going to list these things in the Met. It's your job to decide whose stocking this goes into. Does it go so into I'm the... So I'm Santa? You're Santa, yes. I'm Santa? And oh, I'm, man. And I'm your elf assistant Okay. trying to curate all these things, and you have to decide who gets which gift. Uh, let me say this, too. Please. Um, I am both taller and bigger than you. So if if one of us had to go as Santa and one of us had to go as an elf, I feel like you you put us in the uh, correct position. Oh, this was this a segment in the making for years and years and the payoff <laughs> is now hopefully it's worth it. So we'll yes. start up here, we'll warm up. Matt, 
Who wants extended playoffs? Well, I, I, if I'm going to put that in a stocking, I think I'm going to put that in the owner's stocking. The money that will go along with uh, expanded playoffs will definitely largely, if not all, go into the back pocket of the owners. Now, some playoff shares and some things like that. The players will see a little bit. Maybe even in negotiation, they can find a way to get a piece, a little bit, of the TV money that goes along with the expanded playoffs. But the vast majority of that moolah would head to the owners. So the owners want the expanded playoffs. Oh, I'm glad you brought up moolah. The next thing on the list, oh, it's a salary cap. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that's an owner thing. That definitely would be an owner thing. They would love to have that. But, you know, I, I do want to say this. There really kind of already is a salary cap in baseball because they have the luxury tax, and so few teams are willing to go into the luxury tax uh, that it's, it's not a hard cap. It's not an official cap, but we talk about salary caps all the time. Baseball outside of a handful of teams has largely had a salary cap because of the luxury tax. But, yes, if they could ever get a hard cap, the, the owners would take it. I think that is something that we will never, ever, ever see. That is the one place. That's the thing that you know the, the baseball players' union as the strongest union of all the professional athletes out there. They will never. They will never allow an actual hard cap. And Francisco Lindor wipes his brow in relief. The universal DH. Who wants that in their Christmas stocking? Yeah, you know, I think I think both sides want this. Like, if I could, if I could put the D in one stocking and the H in the other stocking, I would do that. I think both sides do want the universal DH at this point. I would guess that the players probably, maybe, want it just a little bit more. But they, they here's the weird thing, Greg. They had the opportunity to have the universal DH this past year, but. The players felt like if they were going to give that to the owners, that they they needed more back for it. So it's almost like each side wants it, but each side also wants to use it as a bargaining chip. So I am going to cut it in half, and I am going to say that each side is going to try to use it a bargaining. So the players can have the uh, the D, and they're going to try to bargain to get the H. And the owners can have the H, and they're going to try to bargain to get the D, and who knows what's going to end up happening. That is a very interesting way. I'm glad you answered like that. That's good. Uh, how about yeah. t- team control on new players shorter than six years? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a player's one right there. Players uh, absolutely want that. They want younger players to get reach free agency sooner. They want young players to get more money. That was something that Maury and I were talking about when he talked about Super 2. Uh, a lot of people don't understand Super 2, and we're not going to get into the weeds on it right now, but basically if you are a player that has a certain amount of service time and you're in the top I think it's 20%. I don't have the exact number in front of me. I think the top 20% uh, in your, like, basically in your graduating class, you could basically be a year ahead of everybody else when it comes to arbitration and when it comes to getting to free agency and things like that. So, yeah, the the players are all in on being able to get to free agency and a higher percentage of players getting to free agency. So throw that one in the player stock. All right, here we go. Oh, man. Actually, here, we'll do one more easy one. Banning the shift. You, um, you can say no one. You can leave that on Santa's workshop table. We can leave it yeah. for next year. 
Probably. I think the owners, I think. Um, I think this is one that, like, it cuts across different areas. Because mm-hmm. if you are a baseball operations person, you love the shift because you're able to use all the data that you come up with to uh, to find ways to impact the game. Uh, I I think even people who use it, like if, if you are a an old school manager that that is very adept at using advanced numbers, you might not like the game that you're watching as much, but you know it gives you a better chance to win. We talk about this all the time. Like baseball is not as aesthetically pleasing as it was before. That's why, you know, I hear it from people all the time. People want to see the bunts and the sacrifices and things like that. It is a, I understand why people want that, because it is a more aesthetically pleasing game. It causes action. Where people are are, are, are wrong, I was, I was trying to find a nice way to say it, where people are wrong, you do that stuff, it doesn't help you win. In fact, it helps you lose. So baseball is stuck in this really weird spot right now where you can either play the game in a more entertaining kind of way or you can play the game in a less entertaining way, but you're probably going to win more games doing it. And at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think managers and general managers uh, get contract extensions because they played the game in an entertaining kind of way. So it's a very odd thing. So who uh, – banning the shift. You know what? I'll, I'll say owners, and I'll say owners for this reason. If the game is more aesthetically pleasing, more people are going to show up to the game, more people are going to watch it on TV, more people are going to enjoy it, and that results in money to the owner. So we will go with the owners being the pushers of uh, banning the shift. It's a weird way to say more runs, but okay. All right, here we go. Yeah. The bullpen tagging. The pitcher on the mound has the time of the pitch clock to sprint towards the bullpen. The pitcher and the bullpen can sprint towards the pitcher on the mound. If both tag each other before the pitch clock expires, there is no commercial break, and the bullpen pitcher is ready to go. We're going like XFL, he hate me stuff right here, aren't we? (laughs) Nice draw. Yes. That's exactly what's happening in this totally real scenario that is absolutely on the table for CBA negotiations. And if they're not, give me a call. I will push this rule. See, this is a tough one because players are not going to enjoy doing that. <laughs> no. you know, you're, they're going to hate doing it, and owners are going to hate it because there's a chance that they lose out on a commercial break, and that's money that they would lose out on. Mm. So nobody wants this. I don't. I don't. Can uh, you know what the fans going to walk into the living room? Just the average, you know, Joe P fan, and he's going to be carrying his own stocking, and he's got hammer and nails, and the fire is going, Greg. And he's going to put his stocking or her stocking up, and we're going to put it in there because neither players or owners want that. But that would be ridiculous for uh, for fans to watch. It'd be good. Absolutely. And and we'll wrap up with this because just fans should get the stocking because we're all getting coal right now, let's be honest. And not for no good reason. Last one here that I think everyone will enjoy. It's called the Boris at Bat. So where baseball Uber agent Scott Boris has to play one position on each team that keeps claiming they aren't taking but clearly are. Who wants this in their stocking? Wait, so Scott Boris is playing in these games? Yes, yeah, Scott Boris is playing in these games because he thinks that teams aren't clearly taking when they mm. are, but he has players that he represents are on the teams that are clearly taking. 
and he doesn't get money because they're tanking, because there's tanking involved, but no one wants to admit it. So basically, Scott's got to play a position. Get out there, pal! So he's going to go make the Pirates even worse by going and playing left field? <laughs> or, or better. He was a minor league. He played minor league ball. He was a, ball, a professional ball player at one point. Uh, he came up in the Cardinals organization, if I remember correctly. Um, I want that. Just let let's see what Boris can do. Let's you know. Let's let's go. Let's 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 put him out there. And the uh, the pitchers that when they face off against him, because I'm sure there are some guys out there that maybe would like to be represented by Scott Boris and don't have the opportunity. Or maybe some guys out there who were represented by Boris, but they're not super high profile, and they felt like that their best interests were not being uh, represented. What happens when he faces off against one of those guys? So, you know what? I, absolutely, though, owners would want that one because the relationship between Boris and owners is a little bit tough. And I'm sure they wouldn't be uh, super upset if they see Boris hit a dribbler down the third base line and he's got to try to beat it out over at first base and he pulls a hammy. Oh, jeez. I was thinking more get a hit, but yeah, all right. And there it is, our Christmas curated list of making sense of the current CBA. That is game time. If you lasted with me, thank you for playing. That is ridiculous. All right, we'll get back to real baseball stuff here in just a second. Where can the Brewers still improve themselves, and what are they looking to? There was an interesting report uh, connecting to the Brewers to a fairly big name. We'll discuss that coming up in just a moment. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. wanted to get into this before we get out of here, and we'll spend some more time on this here in some future shows. The Brewers still have some needs, uh, and maybe needs is too strong of a word. They still have areas where they can get better. I think that's the way that, that you... Uh, that, and I, I still think that the single biggest thing for this team is to get Christian Yelich back to being some version of the guy he was previously. And I think having more kind of juice in the lineup helps with that. You look at those corner infield spots, and you're probably more comfortable at third base with Luis Urias. But I I love the idea of Urias being that guy who can be like a power-hitting utility infielder. That's something that doesn't really exist that much in baseball. That's that's what made him really valuable. And you deal with injuries, you deal with all kinds of things during the year. So if Colton Wong gets banged up and you need him to go start for a couple weeks at second base, you can do that. If Willie Damas gets gets banged up, you need him to go start for a couple weeks at shortstop, he can do that. Now his defense at shortstop leaves a little to be desired, but you're comfortable with him probably being your everyday third baseman. And in fact, if he is your everyday third baseman... You might even get 30 home runs out of him if he's able to keep up kind of the power pace that he had this past year. But you still do look at those corner infield spots as being areas that the Brewers can get better and can get better in a compelling kind of way. I, this is this is not meant to be disrespect towards like a Rowdy Telez. Or even somebody's not, you know, Daniel Vogelback's not going to be back with the team in all likelihood, but using him as, as an example as well. They had some really good moments uh, at one point, Telez was carrying the team's offense, but it feels like you can get a little bit more. 
And recently in the New York Post, Joel Sherman, who is a, a national baseball writer who's based out of New York, uh, he mentioned in a column that the Brewers at one point expressed interest in Yankees first baseman Luke Voigt. Now, did not get specific. There had been some rumors that he was available at the trade deadline last year, so that might have been when the interest was there. Maybe those conversations took place this offseason. I don't, I don't know. Um, and inside of his piece, like he, he specifically mentioned the fact that the Brewers did uh, have at least a conversation about Voigt, and then he kind of mentioned, well, maybe one name that could come back is a, a Lorenzo Cain. So it was, it was like half fact saying that the Brewers did have interest or at least have a conversation about Voigt. And then there was also just some, well, you know what, you can kind of do this. And that, well, you know what, you can kind of do this was perhaps moving to Lorenzo Cain, which I don't think the Brewers are going to do, and I don't think I would be in favor of the Brewers to be doing that, to be perfectly honest with you. But the idea of having him available at first base, I still feel like when, when the lockout comes to an end, and it's going to be the wild, wild west in terms of players getting signed because we. I think we, I would be surprised, and I think most people would be surprised if the lockout doesn't end either very close to when spring training is scheduled to get started, or probably even after when spring training is actually scheduled to get started. Uh, that there's going to be a lot of things that teams are going to be trying to do, and a lot of players who are out there. There's still some good free agents out there, and. There's also opportunities in the trade market to maybe bring somebody in. Brewers still have a ton of pitching, a ton of starting pitching. It still would not shock me to see them maybe try to spin off one of those starting pitchers and bring in a corner infielder who's got some some pop in the bat and could really be a middle-of-the-order kind of uh, player. So that's something that I still think absolutely is a possibility. All right, one more break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2, Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studio. This is News Radio WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Just a little bit of time left here in the program. Wanted to mention this before we get out of here. We may have mentioned this on a previous show because it had been uh, widely reported that the Pittsburgh Pirates were bringing in former Brewers hitting coach Andy Haynes to serve as their hitting coach. It had not yet been confirmed by the Pirates. That changed today. The Pirates announced their full coaching staff for next year, and uh, Andy Haynes was officially uh, named as the hitting coach for the Pirates. I, I don't have a problem with the Brewers moving on from Haynes, just in the sense that when you underachieve, I think it's good to maybe bring in some new voices. But I don't want that to be mistaken with me saying that he didn't do a good job. I think he did do a good job. I think he's a really hard worker. Uh, there's a lot of guys who improved as hitters under Haynes. The one guy who didn't is Christian Yelich. And he had the personal relationship there, and that probably leads uh, to, to that kind of the, the exit of him. I, the Pirates are bad. They're just they're a bad team. There's no real reason to expect that they're going to be good, but I, I have to think that Haynes is going to go in there and probably do as good of a job as anybody could possibly do. All right, that's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you again real soon here on WTMJ.